Yeah, after the round, I said uh, I was talking to a couple of the web guys, and they were asking me a few questions, and I told them I thought it was one of the best rounds I'd played, certainly in a long time, and not just score-wise, just mentally. Um, it was a complete battle all day. The wind was blowing 30, um, sand blowing everywhere, and I really just felt like if I could get you know, off to a pretty solid start and make a bunch of pars, I'd be okay and catch the downwind holes. And fortunately, I made everything inside 10 feet for par. Hello and welcome to Making the Turn, a golf performance podcast. I'm your host, Vince Drummond. I had an intro recorded for today's guest, Wade Benfield, but he's been playing so good recently, I figured I would just go ahead and re-record one. Uh, Wade is coming off of a top 15 finish on the web.com tour, and just a couple weeks ago, right after we recorded, or right before we recorded this episode, he had a top 10 finish coming off of a sponsor's exemption at the Abaco Classic in the Bahamas. So really excited to hop into today's episode with Wade. He talks about web.com, he talks about the reshuffle, what his season looks like moving forward. Really can't wait for you guys to hear it. Enjoyed having Wade on the podcast. He's a great guy. Uh, and can't wait to keep following him along as he is set in a good position moving forward in the web.com season. So this is Making the Turn, a golf performance podcast, episode nine with guest Wade Benfield. Hats forward, headphones on, let's go. All right, and welcome back to the Making the Turn podcast. I'm your host, Vince Drummond. Today, we're joined by Wade Binfield. Thanks for joining us today, Wade. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, Wade is a professional golfer. He's somebody who's had a lot of success so far in his professional career and also has had some pretty cool events happen to him recently. Uh, really excited to get into some of the details of the things that he's been able to do. Uh, and once again, just excited to have him here. So, Wade, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your story, kind of how you got started in the game of golf and, and kind of how you wound up where you're at now. Sure. I, um, I started playing a little bit when I was five um, with my father and grandfather. And uh, golf was just something that we did in the summertime to get away from baseball. Uh, played three sports growing up and then with golf as well. Uh, started taking it a little bit more serious in my teens and then ultimately decided to quit baseball my junior year of high school to pursue golf. Um, and that's really kind of, I found myself spending a lot more time at the golf course in the summer than playing baseball. So that's kind of where it started. Awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the most recent things that have been going on in your life, and then we'll kind of work our way backwards. So tell everyone kind of your situation now. Where are you at? What are you up to? Um, obviously, know you're playing professional golf, but what, where are you at at the moment? Uh, right now, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, off week this week for me. I was not in uh, the field for Panama this week. So um, after playing last week in Bogota, Colombia, I flew home and am enjoying a nice little practice and play week this week at home and getting a little rest and getting ready for a big season ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, already off to a really exciting start in 2019. A big week down in the Bahamas. Why don't you talk just a little bit about kind of what happened that week and, and explain to people kind of what that week looked like for you? A uh, big week, actually, in, in Abaco. And um, I was able to get two starts in the Bahamas to start the year, which is huge. So 
the web.com tour reshuffles the conditional category every four tournaments. So being able to get a couple starts there early in the year is big. And if you can make a cut and with the new point system, it's nobody really knows exactly how it's going to go, but being able to play solid the first week and make the cut, um, hit a few too many balls in, in the ocean, but uh, very difficult golf course in Exuma. Big penalty areas there. Um, but I felt like I played pretty solidly and was able to knock a little rust off and then really played well in Abaco and was able to finish uh, T9 and uh, get myself into Columbia. And I, I didn't make the cut in Columbia, but I felt like I played a little bit better than I scored. And I'm probably not the only person to ever say that, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately uh, missed the cut there, but it's kind of nice to get a little unexpected off week and, and hopefully get ready to go for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so in the Bahamas, in Abaco, you had a really, really good first round in some pretty awful conditions. So just talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, kind of how good that 68 was and how bad the conditions actually were out there. Yeah, after the round, I said uh, I was talking to a couple of the web guys and they were asking me a few questions. And I told them I thought it was one of the best rounds I'd played, certainly in a long time. And not just score wise, just mentally. Um, it was a complete battle all day. The wind was blowing 30, um, sand blowing everywhere. And I really just felt like if I could get, you know, off to a pretty solid start and make a bunch of pars, I'd be okay and catch the downwind holes. And fortunately I made everything inside 10 feet for par <laughs> to start and, um, made a few birdies in the downwind holes and was able to, uh, hold it, to hold it together coming in. So, um, not a whole lot of guys from our wave made the cut and to shoot four under that first round was, was big. It kind of gave me a head start, certainly on our wave. Definitely. Um, and then kind of moving forward into the rest of the week, obviously get off to a great start in some pretty terrible conditions. Talk a little bit about your mindset kind of heading into the rest of that week and then how you kind of felt the week went for you after that uh, Sunday round, I guess it was, since you guys were playing Sunday through Wednesday. Yeah, we none of us had any idea what day it was there <laughs> for both weeks. We were calling Tuesday and Wednesday the weekend and all sorts. But, uh, you know, I it would have been nice to play better in the second round. Uh, I really didn't feel like I hit many bad golf shots. But, again, it was all four rounds, the wind blew a different direction. So it was a new course every day. <clears throat> and um, just having to commit to lines that you, you shouldn't be aiming at is – is probably the hardest part. Um, but uh, after making the cut, uh, finishing, I had to finish nine holes in my second round. Uh, I almost said Saturday, Tuesday morning uh, before the third round, and then they made the cut. And um, it was once I made the cut, I was like, okay, we can kind of reset. And I shot one under in the third round and moved up 24 spots. And that doesn't happen on the web.com tour. So that should just tell you how bad. The scoring conditions were and then you know shot even par the last round and moved up five more so you know one under on the last two rounds i'll certainly take it looking back on it De definitely um i think one of the the coolest things about the web.com and, and the pga tour season is that exemption from week to week if you finish high enough um and so obviously going from a place like the bahamas to all the way to a place like columbia talk about kind of that that scramble once you figured out that you were in the field for columbia and trying to to find your way there through travel and that kind of stuff yeah so uh wednesday in abaco was was pretty funny i ended up 
finishing ninth T9 and um, on the web.com tour top 25 and ties get you into the following week. It was my birthday and we were all, so we were all going out to have a beer and celebrate my birthday and the tournament being over and we were all flying out the next day. And then lo and behold, we get stuck in Fort Lauderdale the next night. So fortunately we had all kind of started looking at flights and stuff like that. And, and I ended up being able to find a flight pretty good from Atlanta and that's probably the best benefit of living here one zero or one stop away from anywhere in the world but um i was able to get a, a flight in and out of columbia and it, it wasn't too bad so I, I i ended up flying down monday night so i took an extra day um and that was pretty much more price driven than anything else i would have flown down sunday if it was cheaper or the same price but you know i was in the pro-am so that i was able to use wednesday as a practice round and that's something that you normally don't get to do with you know, you're not fully exempt, you know, right off the bat. So that was nice. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so let's backtrack a little bit to the 2018 season. Um, I think that's a super interesting part of your story, just because if you are looking up some of your results, there's about six or seven different tours that pop up for the 2018 season. Uh, kind of yeah. seems like you were playing all over the place. Uh, so talk a little bit about just kind of how you went about setting that schedule, some of the events you were playing kind of earlier in the year, some of those mini tour events, then getting a chance to get some web starts, getting a chance to play on McKenzie tour and, and in some other places as well. Sure. So um, always looking for stuff to kind of fill the schedule and in play. And um, The only thing I had going into 2018 was um, McKenzie tour status. I missed that second stage by one stroke. Uh, to get to finals and get a web card. So um, I started the year January 1st. I drove to Orlando and um, played in Swing Thought Tour School, and they were, weren't even offering a purse. It was just free entry fees for uh, 2018, and I won that in a playoff and then uh, drove down farther in Orlando and played a Florida Elite Tour event and just stayed. It was nice and warm, and it wasn't raining. And um, Well, it was at least nice and warm after the, the first weekend. Uh, the swing thought tour school, but uh, just tried to play a bunch. Uh, keep, I had always kind of tried to play one or two tournaments a month, but I really wanted to play a lot. Um, I kind of felt like I was working on some stuff that was really good and I wanted to put it under the gun and I was putting really well. So I just wanted to keep going um, and was able to play and win a few times. And that really kind of sparked on the rest of the year. So um, looking back, that was definitely a really good stretch, probably January through probably May, the BMW, um, missed the top 25 there by, I think, two shots, but it was really good to be in that and um, hit some shots that meant something coming down the stretch and trying to do what I did the year before in 2017, finished, I think, 11th or 12th there and got into Raleigh and was leading in Raleigh on Friday and then made an absolute mess of the last hole on Friday, but uh, still had a pretty good week. Well, good, good. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of the the difference, I guess, in the tours as you're playing in, in all these different places. Um, obviously, professional golf is professional golf, and you're playing for right. a purse, and you're playing for money, um, and there's great players everywhere. But as you kind of work your way throughout the season, as you're playing in some of these mini tours down in Florida, as you're playing on the McKenzie Tour, as you're playing on the web.com, what's the the difference in overall skill level um, the differences in the tour when it comes to the competition side of things, what, what's the kind of the difference in, in feel between all the different events? Um, 
I would probably say you, you know, I don't really know how to quantify it, but I always tell guys that I play golf with and they ask me, you know, what's the difference between you and PGA tour player? And, you know, kind of, I guess the stock answer is a quarter of a shot around. And they're like, well, what do you mean by that? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? Where do you think you find a quarter of a shot around? That's one stroke a tournament, you know, and we're just kind of speaking in generalities here, but is that one more fairway that you hit or 10 more yards or is that, one wedge that you hit really close to the hole and tap it in, or is that a 20 footer? You, know, you never know. You're just trying to get better at everything. Um, I would say probably the competition in Canada is phenomenal. I played four years up there and it's great. There are a lot of guys that can win week in and week out. And it's the same thing on the web.com tour. And um, you know, if you've seen any of the scores from Q school or a lot of the tournaments, it's, if you're, if you're not taking it low, you know, it's, there were a lot of cuts last year on the Kenzie tour that were four five, six hundred, and it was insane. And it's guys are so good now and you got to keep getting better. So I would probably say a lot of that has really prepared me for being ready and feeling like I'm able to compete at this level and, and the next for sure. Awesome. Um, so let's take it way back for a little bit. Let's kind of start all the way back um, in junior golf talk yeah obviously you talked you were kind of a, a golfer and a baseball player and just an athlete in general um but yeah. talk a little bit about some of your favorite golfing memories as a junior whether they're in tournaments or like you said playing with your uh, father and your grandfather what are some of the the best memories that you have from kind of that junior golf time period sure um i remember oh let's see probably eight, nine, 10 years old, maybe, maybe a little older than eight, probably 10 or 11. Um, meeting the buddies at, at the public golf course, my mom would give me a check for the greets fee and some, some golf balls. And we'd go walk around and play 18 holes and, you know, spend summer days there and just try to break a hundred. Um, and then, you know, I, I always really enjoyed playing golf with my grandfather and, and certainly my dad, I used to bug my dad all the time after school to go play. And, um, but we were always busy with, baseball or football or whatever else so um but once i once we moved from the north side of atlanta down to the south side there are more golf courses and we ended up joining a a club that offered us the ability to play multiple courses in town and i would just get dropped off in the summertime on somebody's way to work and then get picked up on somebody's way home from work so i spent all day there in the summer and you know just hit range ball after range ball and i didn't know what i was doing but had a lot of fun and I got better, you know, pretty quickly, but, um, I still wasn't, you know, that great. I just really loved doing it. And I think that kind of helps more than anything else, just really wanting to be good. And, um, I'm a pretty competitive person and I really do not like losing at all. So, uh, <laughs> even if it's chipping and putting for a Coke or a candy bar, it's, I'm not going to be happy if I don't win. So, uh, that's, I think that's a big motivator and a big driver. So as some of the best memories from junior golf, for sure, just those late nights sneaking in one more putting game or something right before somebody's parents come to pick you up. Awesome. Um, and so obviously you wound up at, at Clayton State for college. Uh, but one of the things that we talk about quite a bit on the channel and one of the, the guests that we had in the past was actually a college coach talking about recruiting. Um, and so mm -hmm. depending on what you kind of remember about that process, just talk a little bit about 
um, kind of how the recruiting process went for you, how that worked, and, and how you kind of wound up where you did. Yeah, so actually, Clayton State was my third school. <laughs> I, um, my high school basketball coach was an assistant coach at Barry College in Rome. Uh, I think they're Division Three now. Mm -hmm. It used to be NAIA. Um, I actually played my first year at Barry College. Um, so I was recruited by them. Um, like I said, I, I didn't really start playing competitively until I was 17. So any pipe dream that I had of going to Florida or school like that, I mean, they, I wasn't on anybody's radar shooting 76 and tournaments and stuff. But um, I uh, had a pretty solid high school career. And for the two years that I played, won regions twice and got to the state championship twice and um, played my first year at Barry. And, you know, at 18 years old, I really wasn't, wasn't really ready for college and all that, you know, mentally and, and uh, didn't really handle it very well. And uh, made the decision to leave there and, and just uh, took a year off of competitive golf and, and worked on my academics and stuff and, and got an opportunity to play at Clayton state through a, a friend of mine at the course is, is a friend. Uh, Coach Harwell actually played the PGA Tour in the 80s, and um, he was looking for guys, and and uh, we got hooked up, and the rest is history. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, coming from a school that's a, a D2 school, a smaller school, I played at an NAI school. I've coached at a couple of NAI schools, so definitely rooting for the small school guy. Um, but one of the things that's that's really cool about you guys is you actually played on the same college team as Will Wilcox. So. Um, how you guys are, are both playing professionally, um, two guys from, from the same D2 team now having a chance to, to kind of chase their dreams. And so talk a little bit about um, just not necessarily, I mean, what's the secret? It sounds pretty corny, but uh, sure. just kind of that team environment and that team atmosphere and some of the things that you guys were able to do during your time at Clayton State to get you prepared for uh, being or playing professional golf, I guess. Right. I, I uh, really learned a lot how to play golf, uh, not just take an eight iron and hit it 160, like really learn how to play golf from, from coach Harwell at, at Clayton. And, and uh, a lot of the guys will say the same thing. We really give him a lot of credit. Um, it was a pretty competitive environment. Uh, Will hated losing a lot of guys on the team hated losing. I think that's what made us really good. We didn't just want to, you know, beat every other team in, in the conference. We wanted to beat each other. Uh, we wanted to, you know, we wanted everybody to be like, we're coming for you tomorrow. So it was, um, it was really competitive, but we all got along really well and we had a lot of fun. Um, practices were fun. We, you know, it, it was a really good environment there. And, and I think we all look back. I still talk to some guys on the team and still pretty close with a few of them. And it's, uh, we all look back on it pretty fondly. We had a good time. Definitely. Um, and so, you're in college, you're uh, playing college golf and, and competing with your teammates every day. When did you kind of decide that you were going to get professional golf a shot? When did that become less of a dream and, and a little bit more of a reality for you? Well, yeah, the dreaming part, obviously, everybody, you know, makes tries to make putts on the putting green to win the Masters and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I felt like I feel like I, I had the talent to, you know, dig something out and, and at least give it a shot. Um, you know, I'm almost 10 years into it now. So it's, uh, I've played every mini tour there probably is and uh, played in a lot of places that you would never even think of, you know, it's not, 
private jets and rental houses for sure uh, getting there. But uh, you know, I I really wanted to make an effort at it, and, and um, it just somehow worked out. Awesome. Um, and so, like you said, it's it's definitely not all the glitz and glam that it's uh, always. <laughs> always portrayed as I guess kind of through the social media side of things and everything that goes on there um but talk a little bit about just kind of what keeps you motivated every day every year as you continue to kind of go down this path and and continue along your professional golf journey what are some of the things that just continue to drive you and, and make you want to get up and continue to compete every day yeah I um I still have a lot of things that I haven't even scratched the surface of really what I want to try and accomplish and um you know, I feel like, I feel like I've always said if I could just get out there and get a shot at it, I'd, you know, I think I could do okay and, or, or maybe better than okay. You never know how you're going to play when you get there, but just having the shots is really what you want. So, um, you know, right now I'm just trying to, trying to get better at all aspects of my game and, and, um, turn the things that I need to improve on and make those no longer weaknesses. I, I just really want to have a well-rounded game and, and uh, really not beat myself. And I feel like I've come a long way with that. You know, the last two or three years is just really keeping it in front of me and trying not to beat myself on the golf course. Awesome. Um, and then just talk a little bit about some of your plans moving forward. Um, we've talked a little bit about it off camera, but for the 2019 season, what are some of the things that you've kind of got lined up? What are you looking to do? Um, what are, are your plans moving forward as you look at this year's schedule and this year's season? Well, we're going to see how the uh, reshuffle pans out this Sunday night and, or Monday morning. And um, I'm planning on playing a full schedule on the web and, and really getting after that and and uh, hopefully putting myself in position to have one of those gold bibs in Portland. Um, gold bib is pretty good out there. So it, uh, that that's definitely the top goal. Um, I know that I can compete out there and I know I can win out there. It's just a matter of putting yourself in that spot and seeing what happens. Um, I've kind of sniffed around it a little bit, but um, never too, too late on a Sunday, but um, I feel like I can, I can do okay out there and, and um, I've proven it to myself enough times that uh, that's definitely where I belong. So I'm looking forward to getting out there for 2019 and having a good season out there and, and really giving it a good effort with a full schedule. Awesome. Uh, for people who aren't as familiar or who aren't aware, talk a little bit just about that reshuffle process, what that means sure. and, and what that means for you come Sunday night, Monday morning this week. So there's about 250 of us roughly that have web.com tour status and you know, 132 to 156, depending on the field size, get in every week. So you've got over 100 guys sitting at home. And uh, if you don't have full status, uh, you're, it's called conditional status. And, uh, you know, you get lumped into a category and every four events, they reshuffle the order of your number. So my number coming out of Q school qualifying tournament last year was pretty, pretty low. Like I wasn't going to get in a single event uh, just based off my quote number, but um Every four events, if you make a cut, you know, you get to the opportunity to move up in that reorder category. And um, every four events, they kind of mix that up based on how you've played and, and you gain access to tournaments that way. So um, I'm not really sure. It's my first time in the reshuffle. So I'm kind of waiting with bated breath like the rest of everybody else that's in that category too. 
Awesome. Um, and so you talked about kind of your goals and, and being able to compete on the web.com, getting a chance to, to get that gold bib and get your PGA Tour card. Talk a little bit about how you go about reaching that goal. Um, what does a, a typical day in the life of Wade Benfield look like, especially a, a week like this week where um, you're not traveling, you have some more time at home, the, kind of the freedom and availability to right. play and practice. What, what does a typical day look like for you? Um, so this week I've been up at uh, TPC Sugarloaf a bunch. Um, kind of took Monday off. Um, I flew in. I changed my flight from Columbia and flew in Saturday, and we just had the Super Bowl here. So kind of took all that in and stuff and saw family. And um, Monday kind of took that off. And, and then Tuesday went up to the course and practiced for a while and played 18 holes and then did the same thing yesterday. And then I just went out there this afternoon and practiced just, you know, staying in touch and working. Um, I, I use weeks like this to not really just take them off, but you know, they're just, you're, you're not traveling and grinding 10 hours a day. I'm, I was out there working on some specific things and, and then get out of there and try to stay out of traffic. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, when you go to the course, when you go to practice, what are some of the areas that you focus the most amount of your time on? What are some things maybe specifically in your game that you're working on right now, or some of the areas where you tend to find yourself practicing maybe a little bit more? Uh, yeah. Wedge play and putting is normally what I, what I really try to focus on and, and, um, this week I've been working on um, actually the driver getting a, I've been uh, testing out some different shafts and stuff like that. I'm not swinging it as fast as I was two years ago. So uh, for whatever reason, um, I guess I need to get my butt in the gym, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just been trying to find a little bit more launch and, and uh, with that, you know, sometimes you get a little bit more spin. So I've been working on some stuff like that and I think I found one pretty good and uh I'm just always working on putting. I feel like it's a pretty strong suit in my game, and um, you can always make one more. Definitely. Uh, one of the things that we talk about quite a bit on the channel is setting yourself up with a team that's going to help you be successful, uh, sure. whether that's a team of coaches, team of supporters, whatever that may be. So talk a little bit about your coaching setup, kind of what that looks like, whether it's from sure. an instructional standpoint, mental standpoint, fitness, kind of all the pieces that, that go into your team and the people that kind of help support you along this journey. Yeah, so um, my swing instructor is Brandon Lovelady. He's a really good friend of mine. We actually were good friends before I ever started working with him. Um, we've been working together now since 2014, so five years, about this time in 2014. Um, I just kind of went to him and said, hey, if I was to start working with you, what would we work on? And two hours later, <laughs> we were already working together. So uh, it was that's kind of how we are. Some of our best sessions just come from me showing up and we start talking and then I ask him a question say, what about this? And then we just start going. So, um, he's been really good and, and we work well together and we have, we talk a lot and off the golf course and, you know, he's, uh, we actually went to the peach bowl together this year. We do a lot of sporting events. We're in the same fantasy football league. So we're just good buddies. And, um, you know, he, he's really invested in me and he really cares. And that's really nice to have. So one of the things, obviously, with being on the road all the time and playing in all these different tournaments is it can be a pretty lonely life sometimes. Um, do you have a pretty good support system, whether it be family and friends or some guys that you typically travel with or typically stay with? How do you kind of surround yourself with those people that are going to help lift you up on a weekly basis? 
uh, yeah, all of the above actually. So uh, family and friends from here in Atlanta and all over and, you know, even people that I've stayed with, host families that I've had before that I still keep in contact with. Um, a couple folks are always asking me how I'm playing and when they can see, you know, where they can find results and stuff like that. And then, you know, a lot of the guys out on tour we I've known forever and playing mini tour golf and they've worked up and uh, being out there. We, you know, stay together some weeks and go to dinner a bunch, play practice rounds. And, you know, we're always seeing each other. So it's a pretty tight knit group of guys. and we're really excited for each other when we play well and um, when we all want to get to the next level. So might as well be friendly about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's so cool. Some of the other professionals that we've had a chance to have on the podcast have said very similar things, whether it be Latin America tour or some of the other tours. Um, it seems like yeah. the guys do a pretty good job of, of kind of getting together and supporting one another. And it almost turns into like a, a pseudo college golf team again, where you're getting to spend time with guys and, supporting one another yeah i mean it kind of pretty much is especially you know driving around mini tour event to mini tour event so uh, you see the same guys at the gas pumps and stuff like that so um had a pretty funny situation a couple of years ago i was driving south on 85 and a buddy of mine was driving north and we stopped at the exact same place and i'm like what are you doing here <laughs> so uh random stuff like that happens from time to time but uh you know it, I've got my five or six really good buddies out there and we go to dinner and travel and stuff like that. And, you know, you need a lot of guys getting paired together and playing practice rounds and stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's definitely well worth it. Awesome. Um, so that is really cool. We're on to a part of the show now that we like to call the twilight nine. Uh, so we like to compare it to playing nine holes on a summer's evening as fast as you can, trying to beat the sun. Um, yeah, so nice. I'm going to ask you nine questions. I'm not of, the fastest. <laughs> kind of rapid fire style, just whatever pops in your head, go ahead and spit it out. We'll move on to the next one. Sound good? All right. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, lowest tournament score? 61. Go-to pre-round meal? Hmm. Uh, Eggs, sausage, and wheat toast. Uh, favorite encore snack? King made jerky. Nice. Uh, what is your current pre-gym or pre-round pump-up song? What do you listen to to get yourself hyped up? Ooh, um, wow by Post Malone. Nice. Uh, <laughs> hardest or least favorite exercise in the gym? Oh, man. Any yoga pose? I'm not very um, flexible. <laughs> I'm a catcher, man. Uh, you get to the course before a tournament round. You realize you had the wrong tee time. You only have 10 minutes to warm up. What do you do? Oh, two nine irons, three drivers, and let's go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what's I've your... actually done that before. <laughs> That's too funny. Uh, what's your golf brand of choice? Oh, like equipment? Yep. Uh, Titleist. I'm a Titleist guy. Nice. 14 clubs. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what's the best movie of all time? Can be golf or otherwise. Oh, man. Are we talking comedy or just anything? Anything. Favorite movie? Top Gun. Nice. Uh, and then who's your favorite sports team? Uh, Atlanta Braves. 
Awesome. Uh, that's our Twilight Nine, just a little bit of a fun segment we like to do here on the show to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Um, real quick, before we let you go, just a couple of pieces of advice that we kind of asked to everyone to try to help our listeners out a little bit. Uh, what would be your number one advice for junior golfers who are looking to play golf in college? Uh, um, have fun, obviously, number one. Um, learn to hit it as hard as you can and as high as you can. It is easier to take speed and trajectory off a golf ball. So uh, it's just the way the game's going. Um, that's kind of how I learned. I just try to hit it as hard and as far as I could, and then you figure it out from there. Um, and then don't take it so seriously. It's just a game. I think everybody falls into that, and a college coach doesn't care what you shot in a tournament when you were 10. You know, it's about having fun and. And, and trying to develop skills and, and, you know, golf is a gentleman's game or a gentleman, you know, it's things like that. And, um, you know, it teaches you a lot of things. So if you stop and kind of realize what you're learning and things like that, it's only going to make you a better person, but, um, definitely for the juniors, just have fun. Um, there's a lot more time for serious golf coming up. Awesome. And then for current college players who are looking to take that next step and play golf professionally, what would your advice be to them? Um, kind of along the same lines, but a little bit more serious, I guess. Um, you know, try to find some, some things to play in. You should always be looking for USAM or US Open qualifying and, you know, any big amateur tournaments and stuff like that. That's kind of where I first started playing against really good competition, guys that are on the PGA Tour now. And, you know, multiple winners on the PGA tour now. So um, anything that you can find to play in that's, you know, reasonable and either a drive or a cheap flight away and stuff like that. But, you know, just have realistic expectations. I feel like that's one of the things that I've always been able to have is, you know, I can look myself in the mirror and say, Hey, that wasn't that great today, but you know, it could be good tomorrow. So, um, you know, just stick to what you do well and, and, and really get really good at that. Um, if you look at, you know, kind of the stats and stuff on, on tour and web and most of the guys out there are really, really good at one thing and then pretty darn good at most of the other things. So if you're one really, really, really good skill can get you to the tour, keep going at it. So, um, that's probably, that's probably what I would say. Um, that's kind of the advice that I got. And, um, you know, that's, I, I think it's pretty true. Awesome. Uh, and then where can people follow along with you during your journey and on, on your 2019 season, where's a good place uh, for them to kind of be able to follow along with you and, and see what you're up to? Uh, well, you can hit the star button on that PGA tour app. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I I'm kind of active on social media, not, not too, too much. Um, my Twitter and Instagram handles are just way at Wade Benfield. Um, Nothing special or fancy there, but uh, pretty much other than that, I, I'm really not doing a whole, whole lot. Um, might catch me at a Braves game or something like that, but uh, I'm really I'm really just kind of doing my thing over here and, and enjoying it. And um, I don't interact a, a ton on social media, but I, you will see a bunch of posts throughout the year. Awesome. Uh, I'll be sure to put Wade's Twitter and Instagram down in the description box below. Wade, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, some really good insight into professional golf and some of the things that you've been able to do. So 
best of luck with your 2019 season and thanks for joining us today on making the turn i appreciate you reaching out and thanks for having me and that wraps up episode nine of the making the turn podcast want to give a huge thank you to wade benfield for joining us on the show today Wade did a really great job of explaining his experience in Abaco, as well as talking to us about some of the things that go into the professional golf life. Uh, He also touched on some great collegiate experiences and gave you guys some really great nuggets of advice at the end of the episode. Be sure to follow along with Wade's web.com tour season on the PGA Tour app. Also, be sure to hit the links in the description for his Twitter and his Instagram. Let him know that you found him via the Making the Turn podcast. want to continue to thank you guys for your support. It's been really awesome to hear the feedback on people enjoying episodes and people being helped by the podcast. That's definitely the most rewarding experience for me. So start to light up that comments box down below or reach out to me personally if these episodes are important, if you find them helpful. Uh, Really just excited to continue to build the podcast up and be able to continue to grow the Vince Drum and Golf YouTube channel. If you haven't already, check out VinceDrumandGolf.com. Go ahead and hit up uh, our email subscription list. It'll give you a bonus video. That's my on-course warm-up. It'll give you something that you can do before you play and practice every single day, and you don't need any more equipment than just your driver. So go ahead and check that out on VinceDrumandGolf.com. Uh, I really just want to thank you guys for continuing to support me and support the channel. Uh, Be here next week for episode 10 of Making the Turn. And this is Vince Drama Golf, and I'm out.